I have a little bit of a unique message I want to share with you here this morning. If you turn with me to Psalm 139, please. Psalm 139. Uh, For those of you that have been following our ministry, you know we've been through some stuff over the last, uh, this year really, um, and I'm not going to bore you with all the details because I think many of you are aware, but I may give some of the basic contours and outlines of those because what I want to share with you is something that God has been doing a deep work in my heart about here recently. Um, You know, I I hope you never stop learning, and I hope you never get to a point where you think you know everything and you don't need to be taught by God or by anyone else in your life, because the fact of the matter is, is all of us will be continuing to grow, in fact, not even just in this life, but I think we're going to continue to grow in our knowledge of God himself, even throughout eternity. And so get used to learning, you're going to be doing it forever. Okay, and that's not just for those of you that are doing seminary and so on, okay? Um, but uh, when, when it comes to growing, and particularly growing in my own personal walk with God, this year has been such an incredible catalyst for me. Um, I, I feel like as if when it comes to the things that I do, when it comes to traveling, preaching, uh, communicating the gospel, leading young people to Jesus Christ, there's a certain sense in which you kind of know how things work, even in the spiritual realm. You can learn that, you know what, if I stand up and say, God, I can't, but you can lead me, guide me, enable me, use me. Uh, some of you guys have traveled and preached here this summer for yourselves. You learned that, right? Even if you aren't feeling it, you step out and dependence on the Lord. He will step in to your life, and he will use you to do great things. But sometimes we can learn the the, the ways of God, and we can learn how to access the power of God and the strength of God and what God does in his goodness and in his love and in his mercy. He brings situations and circumstances into our lives that are so far outside of our experience and our wheelhouse that we just have to say and come before God and say, God, I have no idea what in the world is going on right now. I have no idea what you're doing, what I'm supposed to do, and how to proceed. God's brought me and my family into some of those kinds of circumstances here. And if you've been listening to the podcast at all, you've you've heard me share some of those things. Um, But listen, this is a little bit of a different angle. This is fresh and some things the Lord has been teaching me. But by way of testimony, I just want to say here earlier this year, uh, we started the year with an old 2001 F-350 truck, uh, had a ton of rust because it's a Wisconsin truck. Uh, it had had issues along the way, but whenever you say the words 7.3 liter diesel, all of the guys make a masculine noise like, ooh, <laughs> right? And, um, and so whenever I say that, the thing I'd always hear from people that knew about truck is, oh, that's a good truck. And I'm thinking, yeah, when it's not covered in rust, it's a good truck. But my truck was covered in rust. Alex traveled with me. Another guy traveled with me. And uh, we're traveling. And pretty much from the first travel day, we were having issues. And again, I'm not going to go through all the specifics. But to say one day, we're driving from North Carolina to Tennessee, going up a mountain, and billowing white smoke starts pouring out of my engine compartment. We'd been praying for the Lord to provide us a new truck. And both my wife and I thought at that moment in time, it's time. (laughs) It's time for a new truck. And I won't, again, go through all the details, but that week, um, the Lord enabled us to get to our meeting. We didn't miss a meeting all year from the things that we've been through, but that week when we got to the church, um, God began to move, and God began to provide, and God began to show us that a new truck for us was not just something that he was going to do way off in the distant future. 
but the time was nine. By the end of that week, um, I had $12,000 in my bank account and probably twice that much promised to come, and uh, we thought we were just going to limp that truck along until we had a little bit more of the money in hand, and that morning we woke up, started up the truck, and fuel started pouring out of the engine compartment, and I thought, the time is now. (laughs) The time is nigh. It's time, and um, the Lord brought across our path, my path, a truck. It's about a half hour away. And uh, as soon as I saw the listing, I knew the truck that we were supposed to go and look at. I had peace about it. And again, some of you have heard parts of this story. Forgive me for recovering. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, Alex was with us. We went. We saw the truck. Everything looked good. Uh, financing all worked out. And uh, that night, miraculously, um, they took my rust bucket truck on trade, sort of, and uh, they gave us that truck, uh, gave us, we paid for the truck, all right, and promised to pay for the rest of the truck, and uh, drove that truck home, God provided a hitch, and uh, we hooked it up that next day, drove down to Greenville, Mississippi, where we had one of the most awesome weeks of the entire tour. Well, there that next week, a week after we got the new truck and we thought all of our troubles were behind us, our trailer started having major issues. Uh, to the point where we thought the thing could fall off the back of our truck and disintegrate into a million toothpicks. And so uh, we were faced once again with another uh, major trial crisis. We left the trailer behind. And uh, again, that week was, again, one of the most fruitful weeks I think we'd ever had. Uh, Again, the Greenville, Mississippi week, 39 people got saved. And and I say that to the Lord's glory because I was nothing. I had nothing, okay? In the Lisbon, Ohio week, the second week, 41 people saved. In two weeks, in the midst of some of the most difficult logistical trials and challenges I'd ever experienced, we had 80 people saved. It was literally half of the people who got saved that entire semester in two weeks. God was teaching me, keep my hand to the plow, trust me to provide. It doesn't matter what you're going through. I want to meet your need and enable you in the midst of these difficulties. Okay, many of you have heard these things already. So the Lord provided people um, and, and, and resources to be able to get the trailer fixed. So the end of the spring tour, our trailer had four new leaf springs. The main problem with the frame was fixed and we're good to go, right? Uh, we, we got on the road for the summer, and I had my summer team. Some of them are in here. And uh, we, uh, the first half of the summer was great. Everything worked the way it was supposed to. And then uh, we had another trial with the trailer. The wheel, literally, it's like somebody grabbed it and just chucked it into the air. It almost hit the girls who were following us. I think a lug nut went through the mirror. If you see a piece of tape on the driver's side mirror of the Sienna. That's because a lug nut went through that mirror, okay? Um, And thankfully, the girls were safe and fine, and we got all of that taken care of. And we finally got the truck fixed. And I I don't know what it is with this one week later thing, but one week later from getting our trailer back, we're driving up a hill in Missouri. And uh, all of a sudden, my engine starts to overheat majorly. Uh, This is our miracle truck. Uh, This is the truck that the Lord moved in the hearts of dozens and dozens of people to give towards. We had $43,000 at that time given to buy this truck. And here it it was overheating, and I'm thinking, that's all right, we'll be able to fix it. And I brought it in and out of shops for the next two weeks. And uh, I thought, anything but the head gasket, Lord, anything but the head gasket. That's a, you know, four or $5,000 repair, maybe even $6,000 repair. Lord, may it not be the head gasket. So we're trying this and we're trying that and we're trying this and we're trying that. And it's got to be the head gasket. 
Can't be anything but the head gasket. So, all right. Literally, the Lord had a couple knock on the door of our trailer who gave us $5,000 towards that repair. And um, we signed up to bring this truck into uh, a dealership to have the job done. And um, they get everything open. And they call me and say, we don't think the problem is your head gasket. You need to come in. We come in, and the very, very cylinder of the engine itself had gone bad. And they told me, you don't need a new head gasket. You need a new engine. This opened up a whole can of worms um, as far as uh, the problems with the truck that had been there from the beginning. And I stand by to this day, God led me to that truck. So please don't misunderstand me. God made no mistakes. He makes no mistakes. But I found myself in a situation with a truck that God led me to, having spent, at this point, $50,000 on this truck right here that right now, I'm being told, will not run, and I'm going to need another $20,000 to fix this thing the way it ought to be fixed. Oh, boy. And I found myself in the midst of great challenge, in the midst of a lot of decisions that needed to be made in ways, to be honest with you, I've never had to grapple through decisions with. Um, I started calling up the dealer and talking to the dealer that I'd originally bought it from. And again, I'm not going to bore you with all the details. There were some aspects of the sale. I felt like they didn't tell me some things about the truck that I needed to know. And I made an appeal to them and said, hey, I want my money back. <laughs> Not too much to ask, right? And um, they didn't really want to do that, but they made some counter offers, and I didn't really like the counter offers. I didn't really feel like those offers were fair, and that began about a month of very difficult research, investigation, conversations. I've talked to just about anybody around here that knows about cars. I have talked to mechanics all over the country, friends who, have, uh, who could give legal counsel. I have talked to lawyers, okay? about what I need to do and what I'm supposed to do. And all along, the Lord was encouraging me. And the Lord was telling me, you know what, Brother Bosler? Bobby, God calls me Bobby, by the way. Um, you know what, Bobby? You're going to be okay. God would stir my heart with Psalm 37. When God made it clear there in that passage that he is going to take care of the poor and needy, the wicked aren't going to get away with it. But the ones that God takes care of and the one that God, God blesses in a remarkable way are the meek. And I was really grappling. I remember one morning I got out of my devotions having been stirred by that passage and saying, the lawsuit meek. Are those two concepts compatible? I don't know, Lord, but I need you to tell me what to do. See, here's the thing. What I have desired from the beginning of the challenges of this year, I don't want to just get what I want. I don't just want a comfortable life. I, I'm not the kind of guy that's always coveted after a big old truck like some of you all, okay? I don't care about big trucks and big noises. I don't care about those things. I just need something that can pull my home around so my family can have a place to live so that we can minister together as God has called us to minister together. That is all I care about, doing what God has called me to do. And so in the process of this, I'm not pushing to get my own way. I'm not pushing just to get what I think I deserve. I just need what I need to serve God. And so in the process of trying to work through all of these details, I'll be honest with you, Sometimes when it comes to big decisions like this, very consequential decisions, decisions that are going to affect my family, myself, my ministry, in the desire to 
not mess up. Just being honest with you, I can get kind of paralyzed when it comes to making big decisions. Um, I, I want to take a step back many times and do my research and make sure I'm making the right decision, which is one of the reasons why I've spent a month looking into things. When I initially posted online some of the challenges, I had all kinds of people contact me saying, don't give them what they want, you need to get a lawyer involved, and here's what you need to do, you need to complain up the chain to Dodge, and you need to talk to your bank and tell them what's going on, and you need to do this and that, and this and that, and this and that, and I felt like I was just overwhelmed with advice from people. I mean, everything from get a lawyer to talk to the state police, to you need to push back in this way, to you need to start a a social media complaining campaign, to all kinds of things that I've been told that I need to do. I just want to do what God wants me to do. And, and, and oftentimes, many of the, this counsel and advice comes from people that I love and respect very much, and, and it can be overwhelming to know what to do because I don't want to mess up. And honestly, there, comes time, there, there come times in decision-making processes when you can't leave all of your options open anymore. When you got to commit to one. And kind of where I've been at is if I agree to do this one particular thing, I am closing the door on all of these other options here. For instance, if I have a lawyer issue a demand letter and start a lawsuit process, well, anything the dealer has offered me is done for. Or if I start the process of going through what the dealer's offering, I really can't press a lawsuit in the middle of all of that. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Like, I got to make a decision and I don't want to mess this up. And and you know what, as much as I have no idea what you think about me, if you think I'm a super decisive person, in some areas I am. And in some areas, and again, Alex saw this, some of my team this summer, you saw this, I just don't know what to do. And, And in some areas of life, you just do the next thing, the best you know, and ask the Lord to lead you and guide you and just take the step, whether you know it's God's will or it's just the next thing that you know you have to do right now, you know, get the truck and trailer off the highway. Uh, You know, there are things that you just got to do. But when it's something that you've got to think about and research and and make sure you're making the right decision, I can get paralyzed and I figure if I can, you probably can too, which is why I'm talking about this here today. Listen, some of you all have some pretty big and consequential decisions coming up for you whether that's declaring what course you're going to take, you know, what program you're going to take here at BCM, whether that's what the next steps in ministry are going to be for you when you're done here, uh, whether that's committing to a particular class or committing to a particular ministry or some extracurricular obligation that you're considering taking on. Oftentimes, we can just get paralyzed and we make no decisions because we don't want to mess up. Don't want to mess up my Greek grade by committing to that. You think it, admit it. And what can happen is sometimes you just hold back and you don't communicate. Sometimes you make no decisions, you just get paralyzed. Well, I want to share with you something that God dealt with me about here, this really within the last week or two, that God has used to free me in many ways to make decisions and to be led by God. A few observations I want us to see out of this passage. This passage has been probably one of the most precious psalms to me in a long time, other than that other Psalm 37 passage here. 
David is the, uh, the writer, he's the psalmist here, and he says this, Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest me, that means surrounds my path and my lying down, and art, acqu- and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. And here, essentially, what David is saying is, God, you're all around me. You have surrounded me in every way you possibly can. You know, the one phrase there when he says, thou hast beset me behind and before, my mind transports me back to when I was first learning how to ride a bike as a little kid. I remember riding down my street, I had the little training wheels, and you know, probably one of the first times I ever perched atop of that uncomfortable seat and pedaled down the road, my parents were walking along with me, okay? Even with training wheels, right? Did your parents do that, or was I just a sheltered only child? Don't answer that question. (laughs) Okay, so my parents are walking along and literally one of them was on one side and the other one was on the other side. They had me surrounded. And I remember as I'm going along, I had confidence, you know, because they're right there. But I remember the very first turn. The very first turn. For some reason, one of my parents had gotten distracted and kind of was looking the other way. And you know what? When you're a little kid on a bicycle and you have no concept of leaning into the term or any, turn or anything like that, I remember I turned the handle and I didn't lead in and I went, Wah! and I was scarred forevermore after that. I thought they were there for me, but they let me fall. Guess what? I believe the picture of this first section here Is it just like my mom and dad, at least for a time, (laughs) were right there on both sides making sure I didn't fall? God is around us too. God is with you. God is very interested in making sure you stay on that knife edge of what he wants you to do and where he wants you to go. And I, as I was reading this passage, it was just so stirring to me to realize God's not going to let me fall on a corner. Listen, my parents were imperfect in that way as far as that analogy is concerned. And you know what? The men and women that are in your life, they are very interested in making sure you don't fall going around a corner, but even they can't catch you in every situation. But I'll tell you who can. God can. God can. And he's interested in keeping you upright and moving down the road that he has called you to move down. In fact, it is his response to that in verse 6. David said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot obtain unto it. And it's as if he's saying, wow, that's good stuff. This is amazing. Listen, God has a great interest and making sure you don't make the wrong decisions about things coming up for you. And God is right there with you. He is surrounding you, in front of you, behind you, all around you, to help you not mess up. To help you not mess up. Let's continue reading here in the chapter. Verse 7, he says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. 
If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. And here, David is saying, essentially, it doesn't matter where I go. We typically think of this in a doctrinal sense, right? The omnipresence of God. And those of you in B-Docs, you're going to memorize some of those verses, right? To support the fact that God is truly omnipresent. And I hope you understand sometimes, our, and as I talked about to Bible doctrines uh, on Monday, our spiritual health and faith is based upon doctrine. But I don't want to necessarily talk to you here doctrinally about this section of Scripture. Because as I read this, just in the context of what he's talking about, God in the first part here is saying, I'm all around you, I got you, I'll catch you, I'm to your left, I'm to your right, I'm in front of you, I'm behind you, I've got you. And it's almost like here he's saying, you know what, even if I was to zoom over here, guess what, he's still there. And you know what, even if I was to go into this situation, in this circumstance, guess what? He's there too. You know what, if I go up there or down there, if I find myself in light darkness, as far as you can go on this globe, he is there. You know, and I hear that, and I don't just think in terms of the doctrine of God's omnipresence. I think, you know what? God pursues me no matter where I end up. There's a difference there because on the one hand, God's omnipresence, he's there whether he wants to be there or not because he's just everywhere. But what I'm thinking about here in in the, and if I say Paul, I'm sorry, I'm so used to saying, have I said Paul at all? No? Okay, good. I'm just very insecure about that. But anyway, because I deal with Paul all the time. Um, So here he's saying, listen, even if I try to get away from you, you still follow me and you're still there. That's an encouragement to me. Because, you know, there are some times in your life where you wonder, have I gotten off the path a little bit? Have I allowed myself to dictate this set of circumstances? And have I got myself out of the realm where God will lead me? You ever been there? Feel like you get off the path because you reacted to your room leader. You feel like you've gotten off the path because, you know what, uh, you didn't really like what that administrator had to say to you, and you can get all twisted up inside and think, you know what, I'm off the path. God can't lead me anymore. And I want you to know it's not true. It's not true. Wherever you're at, wherever you find yourself, God followed you there. He's not going to let you go. Because he loves you. And whether you feel you've gotten off track or you feel like you've gotten into unknown territory, whether you feel like you're under it and you just can't see God anywhere, I've got good news for you. God sees you and is there with you. So listen, God, he surrounds you. God also pursues you. But I want you to look here in verse 13. Oh, and by the way, I have to mention this. Right smack dab in the middle of that section, verses 7 to 12, he says in verse 10, even there shall thy hand lead me. No matter where you are or what situation you find yourself in, God wants to lead you out of it. God wants to lead you in it. You can't escape God. 
And if you're interested in following God's will, that ought to be a comfort to you. Verse 13. He takes a different angle on this same basic concept. He says, For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance being yet unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. And here he, he dives into the womb and he discusses the fact that God is not only around me, he not only pursues me wherever I go, but before I ever, from the very first moment that I was, God knew what I was made out of. You know, young people, sometimes we get very insecure because of how we feel like we are made. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking personality in some ways. You know, listen, all of you have different personalities and different ways that you are wired. Some of you are strong decision makers, and you need to submit to God in those decisions. Other of you are weak decision makers. Some of you are just plain boring. (laughs) Just kidding, all right? Sort of. Um, But uh, listen, no matter how you're wired, sometimes we make excuses because we say, well, you know what? I'm just not strong in that area. We make excuses. Well, I just can't quite figure out what's up from down. We make excuses because of our constitution. We make excuses because of our upbringing. And I want you to know God has followed every single moment of your physical, emotional, mental, experiential development from day zero. God knows your physical makeup. God knows the composition of your brain. God knows the things you've been through as a child that make you think certain way about certain circumstances. God knows your capacity to understand, to process. God knows all of those things. He is more intimately aware of all of those things than any person in your life. He knows all about your deficiencies. All about them. Every last one of them. He knows about them better than you know about them. He's willing to lead you in a way that you can understand. I don't remember when it was, maybe a year or two ago, when I kind of stumbled across this concept that God will lead me in a way that I can understand. Have you ever felt like, oh, God leads other people? They must just be unique. You know, and there are probably some of you here in this room, you just don't know what it means to be led by God. You don't know what it feels like. You don't know how it works for one reason or another. And you see these other people and they have just such the strong sense, oh, God led me in this way and oh, God spoke to me and oh, God is calling me to this. And you're thinking, I don't hear from God like that. I don't know what that means. And you can tend to get in your mind, lodged into your mind, not just that God doesn't lead me that way, but maybe for some reason of how I'm wired and how I am, that he can't lead me. You think there's something wrong with me. 
Maybe you think I'm just dumb spiritually. Maybe you think I'm just thick-headed. You think I'm good for nothing but, and you fill in the blank of whatever it is you think you're nothing good for except for this. God knows you. He knows the very fiber of your being. And God is able and interested in leading you in a way that only you can understand. Some of you think very weirdly. And I'm never going to be able to understand how you think. I'll try. But God knows exactly why you think the way you think. And he can lead you in a way that you can understand. And he wants to. Listen, in life, we can get ourselves into a situation where we're afraid of doing things or making decisions about things because we just think that we can't. We are incapable of fill in the blank. And you know what? Yes, in your flesh, you are not. But listen, God is interested in meeting you where you are at and leading you in a way that you can understand. You know what I find sometimes people do? They think, well, God can't lead me. And I'm telling you, this is where I've been at in some ways over the last several weeks. So I got to go and get everybody else's opinion. And I felt like when it came to the next steps of the truck, I couldn't make a decision unless I got the sign-off from whoever. Whether that's Dr. Jim or Pastor Swanson or Pastor Van Gelderen or other people. And don't get me wrong, I value their input. It's been very helpful and God has used it along the way. But I felt paralyzed until somebody else told me what to do. But for me, one of the breakthroughs For me, I'm talking just in this situation here recently is when I realized, no, God can lead me. And if he can lead me, he can lead you. Do you believe that? Here in this passage, he says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. And you realize he's saying that in response to the fact that God knows the real me. I want you to think about that. You may feel like you're the dumbest person in the room. You may feel like you're the most spiritually obtuse person in the room. You you might feel like you just have no spiritual capacity for truly understanding God's will for your life. And I want you to know God's got a treasure trove of thoughts, of great plans and thoughts for you. And you can come to God with confidence knowing he knows you and he has great plans and blessings for you. And if you'll come to him, he will mediate those thoughts to you. Look at verse 19. This is where sometimes when you're reading through a passage, you think, okay, David, what? Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Awesome. Just what I need in my morning devotions. God's going to slay those dealer people. (laughs) Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. I'm going to send out an email later today. (laughs) For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. And I don't have time to go into all of the whole imprecatory, that kind of stuff here in this passage here. 
But I think the one thing that we can say from what David's attempt is, is his desire in his heart is sincerely to align himself with God against evil. See, here at the end, David is essentially saying, God, I'm on your side, and I'm not on the side of the wicked. I'm not here to do my own thing. I'm not here to defend myself. I'm not coming before you here just to get my will done, to get my own fancies and desires and dreams and plans accomplished. I am here to align myself with you, God, in your opposition to all that is unholy and ungodly. I'm with you, God, But it's in that context. In verse 23, this is a verse we sing about, we love, we cherish, we think of it as a, a revival set of verses, and they are. But in the context of what I've been sharing and what God's been doing in my heart, God struck me with these two verses in a little bit of a different way. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Think about this. Throughout the entire poem here, this entire psalm, he's been saying, God, you're all around me, okay? You surround me. When I'm going through life, you're in front of me, behind me, to the left, to the right. You got me, keeping me stable, right? And, and on top of that, I can't get away from you, God, no matter where I go, whether up, down, left, right, across the sea in darkness or blazing light. You are there. I can't get away from you. That is awesome. You know me. You know how I'm made up. You know the very fiber of my being and you still have good thoughts for me. That's crazy. And you know what? I'm aligning myself with you, God, and you know that's true. You know, God, you know better than I know my heart. In fact, I challenge you, God, take a look inside. Am I doing this for my own desires? Am I a compromiser at heart? Do I really just want to get my own thing done in life? Or am I just trying to follow your will and to stick with you? And I don't really sense that the, 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 the effect of this here in the poem is that he's expecting there to be the negative. And again, I'm not saying you can't apply this. I'm not even saying it's not what it means. I'm just saying in the whole flow of this poem, he's saying, God, you know the real me, and I'm not trying to be self-righteous here. I'm just saying, God, search me, know me, uh, try my heart, examine me, inspect me, God. And if there's something, you'll show me. But if there's nothing, you'll lead me. Look at the very last phrase, and this here, just in the whole context of this whole psalm, just hit me, like, awesomely. <laughs> and lead me in the way everlasting. Sometimes we get so twisted up and think, well, maybe the reason why God isn't leading me because there's some secret thing inside and in my heart, and let me just dig stuff up and dig stuff up, and maybe the degeneration you summon will show me the problem, right? And maybe it will. Okay? Um, but we can just live in a constant state of uncertainty that we are good enough or right enough or, or, or in the clear enough and we have all these things swirling around and maybe so-and-so thinks I'm not right with God so maybe I'm not and I don't know if God can lead me and blah, 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 blah. I feel this way that people are thinking about me in this way or I'm feeling this way because you know, I know I'm not perfect but man, good night, I just want to serve God. 
And it's like here David is saying, God, forget about all that. Why don't you talk to me? You know me better than anyone else knows me. And you know what? If there's something wrong, you'll show me. If there's not, you'll lead me. You know, throughout this whole thing, and again, I've been encouraged by the story of Job. The things happened to Job not because of any fault in himself, but God was actually trying to kick things up a notch. Okay, God was trying to bless Job throughout that whole thing. And Job's response was great. Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He got a little off when he demanded answers and he felt like he needed to know why. And God said, you don't need to know why. But I'm saying all this to say, young people, no matter where you're at and how paralyzed you might be, no matter how insecure you might be about your own ability to seek and find God's will and make decisions that he would be pleased by, can I tell you, God's all around you. He's pursuing you. You can't get away from him. He knows you, how you think, how you tick, how you process information. God, he knows what's right and wrong in your heart. And I say this carefully. He can lead you anyway. He can lead you anyway. Um, I was literally reading this passage, weeping, in my office about a week or a week and a half ago. And uh, I'm getting to the end, and I was trying to type out some thoughts as I was thinking and weeping and just processing what I was reading. And a uh, phone call from one of the lawyers, and I wasn't sure what to do. And I'm going to make a long story short. On the phone, I just so wanted somebody else to tell me what to do. And on the phone, I'm talking to this guy, and it's like, clear as a bell, I knew this isn't the right route. It's not going to work. And I had confidence in it. And like where before I was paralyzed, it was like, no, this is clear sent an email not too long after that. And honestly, it's like since I personally stumbled across just this concept, you can't escape this, young people. It's like God is just in my heart unlocking my ability to stand up and be a man and to speak with confidence and to make decisions with confidence in the will of God. Not that I'm immune to making wrong choices. I sure can, okay? But even even God knows my weaknesses there. Listen, I don't know how this has hit you. I don't know how this has struck you here today. I bet there's a lot of you here in this room as you're grappling with decisions. You also have been paralyzed. And you also have felt like you could not make those decisions adequately. Don't, you're, you're never above correction and you're never above instruction. But God can lead you where you're at. Let's go ahead and stand. Here's what I want to do. If God has spoken to your heart here this morning, I want to give an invitation. And all this invitation is, is this. In a moment, I'm going to invite you, if God has spoken to your heart, you do business. I don't care if it's in your seat or up front, but I just want you to come before the Lord and say, Lord, you know me. You've got me. And I want to follow you. And I believe that you can lead me. As God has spoken to your heart, you do business with him.